Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of Chopper Dive Podcast provided to you by 214 Media and SB Nation's Hogs Haven. I'm your host, Molly Mall, in here with AJ and Dre. Uh, AJ is blending in with his background, so I don't know where he is right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, and then we got Dre. Dre, I'll, I'll start with you first, man. How you feeling, big dog? It's good, man. It was a good little Memorial Day weekend, you know, wrapping up the last day. Not looking forward to real life again tomorrow, but I'm going to enjoy today. <laughs> real life. Look, man, I told I ain't, I'm a, I ain't going to lie to y'all, bro. I told Mark before I got on, man, or I think before all y'all got on, I am going through it. Um, I had myself a long battle yesterday with the yak um you ain't so, told me <laughs> I, yeah it, you know what's crazy it started after my flag games when i went to the when i went to the field to to go meet with the uh the grill master um i was like i was contemplating like if i get food I, i'm gonna ruin my stomach or my appetite for the cookout later but if i get this henny i get this henny and that joint will be perfectly fine knowing Knowing damn well I ain't had no food on my stomach. I ain't eat all day. It was two o'clock. And uh yeah, that just that just started off a whole a whole downhill downhill uh, uh mistake. AJ, I'm I'm gonna flip it to you, bro. That was, that was, I was gonna say, Mo, we gotta get you some of these little hangover pills, man. My man's giving me some of them. Oh. <laughs> you to take it the night before and you wake up good. So that's why I'm okay right now. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot that I got the I got the um the little junk um what is it called? Liquid IV. Got the liquid okay. IV downstairs. I got it. I'm about to. I'm about to fix that as soon as this show over. Nah, you just need to eat before you start drinking. That, that's it. All right, man. Nah, that's true, bro. I ain't. I ain't young no more. I guess. I guess that's a lesson to be learned. <laughs> AJ, what you got going on, man? How you feeling, bro? Uh, man, I'm. I'm chilling, man. Just um, traveled most of the week, so just uh, getting adjusted back to being in the states unfortunately <laughs> but uh yeah it's just oh, yeah, you, was, you was living on five dollar five dollar uh, meals again huh <laughs> yeah so i mean just excited to have this conversation with mark appreciate you uh joining us today yes sir and we got the good man mark bullock in here sorry i, I i'm late on the introduction but as you all know you can find mark bullock on twitter at mark bullock uh nfl i believe um let me make sure I got that right. Okay, so I was right. Mark Bullock, NFL. Um, and obviously his Substack, Mark Bullock Substack, uh, where he produces his content, uh, written content and film breakdowns. Mark, appreciate you joining us, man. To break down the defensive line, how you feeling today? Uh, I'm good. Uh, apparently, a lot better than you, by the sounds of it. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing re- uh, pretty well. So um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. And I feel like this is a perfect timing timing type of conversation um given what you're working on um and the defensive line breakdown so uh as you all know um well the last episode that you can find uh was the wide receiver position group 
um, a lot of conversation on Deami Brown, man. Um, but, but I, I thought it was a, it was a really good um, deep dive, I guess, into the to the unit. Um, but as we transition into defensive line today, uh, we can work ourselves. We can go out to end. Um, and start with them edge rushers. Um, to start with the talk dog. Um, the talk of the town per se. Um, Chase Young. Um, and I guess to an extent, uh, Montez Sweat. If if we want to. But but we'll start with Chase Young and then get to Montez Sweat. But uh, you know he's had some some headlines over the past week and some changing. Um, a lot to do with not showing up at OTAs, right? Um, but then obviously I think uh, April I believe like late April or maybe right before the draft, um, his fifth year contract or fifth year option was uh, declined. It was not picked up by the team. Um, starting with Chase Young, I'll give you the floor, Mark. Uh, generally speaking about this guy like what what type of season does Chase Young need to have but also like what is your overall outlook on his career or even future in Washington you could take it whichever way you want to go yeah so uh, I guess I'll start with I I'm currently working on an article I've, I've watched the the three games every snap of the three games that he played at the end of last season um, and I kind of just wanted to see where he was at. And um, you could definitely see there was a little bit of tentativeness with, with regards to his knee. Um, there, there's kind of, I, th- I think it's natural that when you have that kind of a big of an injury, when you come back to the field, you're going to naturally be a little bit more protective of the knee. Um, and w- in certain situations where like a tight end was aligned, lined up near him, um, or if he felt the tight end sifting back towards him, on, a, on an outside zone, on the backside of a zone run, um, he was cautious about that. And he was playing to protect his knee rather than in the pad. Like there was one rep against um, against the Cowboys where they sent the tight end on a sift on, on, on the backside of a zone. And in the past, like Chase Young in his rookie year would have run down the line, blown up the tight end and made the play on the running back. This time he kind of tentatively pulled up kind of, knocked into the tight end a little bit and let the running back carry on to the front side of the run. And I think that speaks to the kind of, you know, he needs to, he feels like he wants to protect his knee and he's not a hundred percent comfortable in it, but you could see when, when he didn't have a tight end near him um, or there was no threat of a chip from a running back or anything like that, he was just setting up to rush. He didn't necessarily have the, the explosive speed that he had in college. Um, but he still rushed well when he wasn't doing his starter move that Rivera has kind of talked about where if he just pins his ears back and goes and he looks to convert speed to power and he ball rushes or he uses his swipe moves to try to get inside, he was very effective. And, you know, in the first game back against the 49ers, he, he had a couple of really nice reps against Trent Williams where he put Trent Williams on his back and, and nobody does that. Um, and he had some reps similar to that, not necessarily putting the offensive tackle on their back, but, you know, he, he was beating players when, when he just rushed and he would get his hands on guys early and drive them backwards. He was really effective, um, and he generated a lot of pressure, and he looked like the kind of guy that was like, okay, you can see he's still a little bit tentative with the knee, but the talent is still there, and we understand why he was the second overall pick. But a fair amount of the rushes that he would do, he would have this stutter move where he would take two or three steps up the field and then he would stutter 
to try to get the offensive tackle to kind of stop and start their feet. And there is some logic to that because Chase Young should be more explosive than a tackle. So if he gets a tackle to stop his feet, he's going to be able to be explosive and beat the tackle to the edge. But the issue with doing it so late into the rep was that it took so long for him to execute the stutter move and get started again. By the time he was beating the tackle, the quarterback was getting rid of the ball. So uh, Rivera kind of made a big point of it um, last year and and before um, that he wants to see Chase Young kind of not really do that stutter move and just rush and and just go. And I really agree with that. I think if Chase Young, like using the stutter move every now and again is fine, but not using it as your base rush, um, I, I think is a key for him. So, I I still still think there is a very very talented player there. Um, I think obviously the mental block with the knee is something that only he's going to be able to kind of get himself over. Um, and hopefully, you know, another off season where he's able to rehab that knee and and get it back to a state where he's really comfortable with it will will help with that. Um, but then the it's a case of you know learning the rush techniques that work and and not relying on that stutter move that was so effective for him in college, but, you know, learning that if he just goes and engages with players, he's, he's going to be able to overpower a lot of tackles. He's going to be able to, if he's explosive, he can beat them to the edge. Um, and then use the stutter move as a, as a change up every now and again, um, then he's going to be a lot more effective. And that's when you're going to see the guy that is worthy of that second overall pick. So, I still think there's a really talented player there. Um, and I, I still think the potential for him to be, to be a very, very good player um, is there. And, and that's why I, personally I would have picked up that option and sort of. That's exactly thrown... where I was headed. If we should yeah, have picked that I, option I, up, I still think so. I would have, I would have kind of thrown my support behind him and said, Hey, you're our guy. We believe in you. Um, we fully back you. We're picking up that option. We know you've had the injuries, but we're, we're trusting you're over that and you're going to be good and um, give him that belief and that confidence that he's their guy and he can go lead that defense. And I think if you, if you do that, then that's giving him the kind of takes the pressure away and lets him play more free. Whereas now I, I guess a slight concern is, is he going to play? Yeah, is he is he going to be more more pressure on him, thinking like, oh, this is now a contract year, I've got to earn this, and and you know, some people will say, well, if he's not ready to stand up to that kind of mentality, then we don't want him on the team. But you know, I I, I would subscribe to the kind of belief of you back a guy, you give him confidence, you build him up, and he will play more free and be a better player for it. So um, that that's kind of where I stood on it. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... You know, just to piggyback off what you said, Mark, because I agree with a lot of it. Um, I think what a lot of people don't understand about Chase is the injury that he suffered is his first major injury of playing sports ever. So mentally, just the toll of having to come back and, and, and being scared to get injured again, that same knee, it's a long process besides just getting back on the field is mentally getting comfortable with how your knee is going to react. How are you going to react? And also being able to block out, you know, the fears of, of getting re-injured. Um, I honestly feel like they should have picked up the option as well. Um, but unfortunately this team is in flux with ownership 
uh, head coaching uh, and the staff overall may not even be here next year. Um, I think whoever comes in next will see that potential. And I just feel like, honestly, Young and Sweat haven't really been able to reach their their full ceiling due to a lot of things in, in regards to the scheme. I don't think that the scheme honestly allows them to be top tier and reach their full potential due to the non-aggressiveness. And as we've seen, even in this draft, uh, they went in with their first first two picks in the draft. What did they do? They went and got two corners. And that just tells you that the secondary, the back end is not even good enough to help those type of guys get off the edge and get to those players. That's why a lot of the sack totals, the high numbers have been coming from the D tackles and Payne and and, and uh, Allen because quarterbacks are having to step up in the pocket more so than anything. Um, you know, I, I just – I just wish that I could have seen Young during this tenure shit so far because uh, we don't know what's going to happen next year. I wish I could have seen him with a more aggressive defensive approach. Uh, and I think a lot of times we also have these high expectations of Sweat and and uh, Young because of Jack Del Rio's uh, past working with Von Miller in Denver but outside of Von Miller, I don't believe that Jack Del Rio has really, really ever had a top-tier pass rushing defensive end that has put up high, high numbers within his system. He said Khalil Mack um, early on. I don't know what twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't calling those plays. I mean. I mean, a defensive coach is probably going to have, like, somebody – well, I don't know, because Jack Del Rio and, and Ron Rivera haven't really ran into each other either, but that was kind of a, a new situation, so I don't know. Um, but here's my thing, though, with that, right? Because I, I hear that a lot on um, on the Hog Saving platform with the comments uh, and even on Twitter. Uh, but I, I think the thing is I, I, I give I give leeway to, like, this, the, the scheme thing um, – but I also think that that's kind of like overinflated, and the reason why I think it's overinflated, like the because uh, uh, that this thing is overinflated, is because like defensive tackles, right, and and John Allen and, and Deron Payne, you're not you don't often see uh, a defensive tackle group in Deron Payne uh, who had twelve and a half sacks or eleven and a half sacks tying the tying the team franchise record. Um, in terms of sacks for for an interior defensive lineman, I mean, then Jonathan Allen, who had nine sacks, right? Like you don't even see that that often. Secondly, you don't see defensive tackles, uh, even in Washington or even defensive defensive line in Washington, where you have multiple players who who've had ten plus sacks, right? Like on on the same on this in the same season, like those type of numbers don't happen. But I think the thing is, like when you think about like sack numbers, right, or or just generating pressures, like those things are like obviously sacks are the, the ultimate end all be all in terms of like when you want big money contracts or or even living up to expectations. Like if you get home to the quarterback, especially as an edge rusher, that's your job. Like that's part of your job. That's probably a big reason why you're drafted number two overall. If we want to speak specifically on Chase Young, but I think the thing is when you think about sweat and then you think about Young, um, like people just point to the fact that the defensive the defensive tackles are the guys that are like 
made for this system to get sex. But I don't think that's always been the case. I think what you saw in 2022 was a byproduct of Deron Payne uh, growing into uh, a, a more consistent pass rusher. And you see Jonathan Allen uh, continuing uh, the type of high level play that he's been cont- that he's had since what 2020, uh, 2021. Like that that is what a bi- that's a byproduct of what these two players are. But when you look at your edge rushers, I just think it's uh is more. I mean, I'm not sp- speaking specifically on you, AJ. Like I said, it's a whole bunch of people. I just think it's a convenient way of saying that Montez Sweat and Chase Young struggle getting to the quarterback when that's just what their job was. And, and that's me watering it down and making it very plain and, and, and plainly put. But I just think that that's kind of what this conversation has turned into when in reality, if Montez Sweat, I'm throwing out a number here, had 50 pressures in a season, I'm just making up a random number, and he, and he had six sacks. Like imagine if those 50 pressures ended up being – uh, 12 or, or 13 sacks like that I don't think this conversation will be the same exact thing if he had 13 sacks last season off of 50 pressures instead he only had five sacks in 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 50 pressures but now it's about the scheme and now it's about uh these defensive tackles making plays I think it's a byproduct of John Allen I'm excuse me Montez Sweat and Chase Young just not being of course I'm speaking about Chase Young from a collective career standpoint not three games off 2022 but these are just guys who are more effective doing other things than actually getting home to the quarterback. Well, well, I think uh, I think overall it's, it's it's a lot of layers to it. Uh, of course, I don't I don't know what everyone else out there is saying, uh, but there's so many layers to it. I mean, also these DNs aren't playing with many leads; they don't get the pass rush much. Like, <laughs> if we be honest, the team is not scoring points to put them in position to just pin back and go after the quarterback. So that, that'd be interesting as well. If this team can start scoring more than what I think they average in 19 points or something a game. Yeah, they but below the league more. average, bro. <laughs> yeah. They, if they can start scoring more points, then their DNs can, can, can really pin back and just go after the quarterback. But it's so many layers. Cause then we could go into the linebacker position. Like, House coverage going there, and once again, secondary. Like it all is connected with each other. Uh, I mean, you, you and um, Mark break down a lot of film, and just across the league, the guys that are producing high sack totals across the league typically have a solid enough back end uh, that's doing their job and covering guys so that they can get to the quarterback. But you know, here's why I don't like the scheme argument too much is because. There was no scheme argument in 2020 when Chase Young won Rookie of the Year. No one was blaming the scheme. You know, people were saying, oh, this guy's a beast. And then, you know, he comes out 2021. He has this <clears throat> disappointing season before his injury. And then that's when you start saying, well, it's a scheme. But then you hear coaches subliminally calling him out all offseason and even during the season for not playing within the scheme. I mean, maybe him and Montez Sweat were the brunt of those kind of co- those comments. But Again, I mean, when when do the players take accountability? We have to start giving these players accountability. We want Chase Young to be the premier pass rusher. I mean, as you said, Maul, I mean, he had Khalil Mack. I mean, he even had a rookie year. I mean, Jack Del Rio, that is. He had a rookie year uh, Julius Peppers back in Carolina in 2002, and Julius Peppers excelled under him. I mean, these are the guys we want Chase Young to be. That's what we drafted Chase Young to be when we drafted him number two. We didn't draft Chase Young to be Brian Arakpo. We didn't draft him to even be Montez Sweat. You know, we drafted after Chase Young to be Khalil Mack, Julius Peppers, you know, all of those guys that 
came before him that are you know viewed as like those uh elite franchise changing edge rushers but now we're just kind of hoping that chase young just becomes a good player at this point i mean we we saw a flash of you know possibly greatness in 2020 2021 was disappointing obviously we haven't seen him much since the injury but now like i said we're just hoping for a functional player and that's a little scary to me because now the expectations have shifted i mean we you know he was voted as uh what captain after his great rookie of the year i don't think he's going to be vote, voted captain anymore you know if they're doing that i mean because a lot of things have changed. I mean, even with the OTAs, I know a lot of people don't think it's a big deal that he, you know, doesn't show up to these things, but you kind of look for the leaders of your team to show up to these things. And Chase is kind of distancing himself from all of that image in a sense. And we as fans and even as coaches are even sitting here wondering, is he that dude anymore? Can he be that dude anymore? And I think that's why you didn't see his option being picked up because Right now, everyone's unsure of him, and that's a little scary right now when you think of Chase Young. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, one thing I'll say, too – well, actually, I'll give it to Mark right quick. Mark, do you have um, any 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 thoughts on the the uh, the scheme, sack, and anything that anything that we were just kind of going back and forth about um, with, with Chase? Uh, and even sure. OTAs, so, to be clear, because I, I yeah, didn't well, get your thoughts so, on OTAs too. Yeah, so the OTA thing, um, for me, it's not a big deal. It, it, it depends on what he's doing, um, because OTAs is about installing the scheme, the scheme and the system and, and getting everyone on the same page and understanding what the scheme is. And obviously, they're, what, year three of this or year four now of this system. Yeah, and so... Chase Young's going to know the system by this point. Um, and, you know, he, when he was injured, he was taking a million mental reps. So he's going to know the system. He's going to know what he, his job is within the system. So for him, for me, missing OTAs isn't that big of a deal. Um, and especially if, and I, I don't know what he is doing, but if he's off at, like, say, the uh, the Von Miller pass rushing camp thing, for me, that is something that is way more productive for him to be learning around other pass rushers than being at OTAs with his learning the scheme like he already knows the scheme so being with a bunch of pass rushers that dominate the league and and learning stuff from them is going to be way more productive for him um and that's not to say that's is what he's doing i don't know what he is doing but um Mm -hmm. being away from the team during otas for a player that's been in the system for a while isn't a big deal for me um so i'm not too worried about that in terms of the scheme not suiting them i i think I don't think the scheme is necessarily an issue for them. I think they they went into that 2021 year before he got hurt, and I think they bought into their own hype a little bit. I'm referring to Young and, and Sweat and possibly the whole defensive line. I think they kind of bought into their hype, and, and they were talking about both of them breaking the sack record and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they kind of just started the year where they just said, right, we're just going to let the front four rush and they all got in each other's way. None of them were rushing with any kind of, um, there was no stunts. There was no like, okay, I'm, I'm rushing the B gap. You're rushing the C gap. Jonathan Allen's stunting into the A gap and, and we're all gap sound. It was just go and rush. And you saw like young and pain going to the same gap quite a lot. And that made them very easy to block. And, and so when, after the first sort of four or five games of that season, Del Rio kind of stepped in and said, okay, we need to rush a lot more cohesively. And they started running stunts and we saw the production start to rise from the defense. And then they started bringing in some sim pressures where 
one of defensive ends would drop off and a linebacker would rush and and they do stuff like that and and that was a lot more of a productive defense overall so i don't, i don't think the scheme up front is necessarily an issue obviously they've had some issues on the back end where the the dbs aren't holding up coverage long enough um and the quarterbacks are able to get rid of the ball pretty quickly um which obviously doesn't help edge rushers but um scheme for the front guys isn't an issue for me um so I, I yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with Chase Young is I think he can still be a really good player. I think I think outside of being a pass rusher, in terms of his ability as a run defender, and this goes for Montez Sweat as well, they're both very good run defenders. Obviously Chase mm-hmm. Young, as I said, with his knee, he's still a little bit protective of it. So he's he's not as aggressive as he once was. Um or certainly last season in those three games, he wasn't as aggressive against the run as he was. But you could still see there was the awareness. Like he would very quickly notice a tunnel screen being thrown behind him, and he would peel off and try to swat that down. And and Montez Sweat is extremely good whenever there's a jet sweep at peeling off and, and blowing that up. Um, and and they they make a lot of good plays that kind of go unnoticed for defensive ends because as a defensive end you just kind of is it sacks or it's sacks or nothing really is is how we rate defensive ends and and they make a lot of good plays outside of the sacks. And obviously the sack numbers you'd like to be higher, but if the sacks are going to those interior guys because they're, the pressure's coming off the edge and they're having to step up into Jonathan Allen and, and Deron Payne, then then great. Who cares really if Chase Young's the one getting the sack or Deron Payne John Allen again the sack, um, as long as one of them is, is getting there. So um, it, it's a sacks are very they're not the best way to determine how good an edge rusher is because there's so much more to it than just the edge rusher against the left tackle. There, there's four guys rushing, sometimes five guys rushing against five or six offensive linemen. So um, there, there's a whole lot to go into that. So I, I, I don't generally look at sack numbers as a, as an idea of how good a pass rusher is. So um, I, I think he can be very good. And obviously going into his fourth year, having been the second overall pick that that's a disappointing description of where Chase Young is, um, is that you're just hoping that he can be very good um, coming off the injury. But I I still think if he can get past that mental block and he can fix some technique things where he's not stuttering, doing that stupid stutter move and he's just rushing. um, I I think he can develop into what everyone thinks he was going to be when, when they took him second overall. So uh, we can go ahead and move on. But, AJ, one of the things uh, Mark kind of helped me remember this, but um, one of the things that people say online, uh, I, I had posed a question. I had said, uh, I'd ask this, how many sacks would Chase Young need to have to earn an extension? Right. Just a, a just a general question, just to see what people's heads are at. And some of the responses I've received multiple where they said they don't he can have three sacks as long as he's playing within the as long as he's playing within the scheme I'll offer him an extension um and the only reason why I had issue with some of those responses is like when you look at a number two overall pick um and we kind of water things down to um you know play within the scheme and you know he's he's that's good enough for me uh I think that we kind of got to raise it up just a little bit, not even just the sacks number in general, but just how you think about uh, what a number two overall pick can do for you. So that could have been any position, but um, Chase was, Chase is a generational talent. 
Um, fingers crossed he can get back to that point. Um, but that's some of the examples, uh, some of the comments that I get uh, about that guy. Um, let's go to uh, the interior defensive line. Um, so we kind of know where Duran and John are, right? Um, they are obviously they both earned their extensions. Um, they both got paid. Duran got paid big time after his fourth year or his fifth year, I guess. Um, but for Darian Mathis is a guy that isn't talked about too much anymore. Um, and it's not his fault. You know, he got hurt first game of the season. Um, so he's coming off an injury, 25 years old, a second round draft pick last year for the commanders. Um, and it's going to be an interesting dynamic because I don't know how this is going to play out <laughs> with Fedarian and John Ridgway. Um, so because I don't know how it's going to play out, I'm just going to take the easy route and float it to you all. Um, Fedarian Mathis and John Ridgway. Uh, what do we think about these two guys? Ridgway is coming off a surprising season where he held things down, um, within the, uh, within the interior as well. So, uh, what, what do we think about? how this is going to look for Washington. What do you think about Fedarian? What do you think about John? Anybody can take a stab at it. Uh, do you want me to jump in on that? Sure, go ahead. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think you in particular were higher on Fedarian Mathis as a, as a potential pass rusher than I was. I, I thought he was always kind of a, a run-stuffing nose. Um, and if they wanted to play that three down front or five down front, I guess, technically, um, then he was a really good guy for that. And then obviously he got hurt and, and they got Ridgeway. And I think Ridgeway gave them everything they were probably hoping to get out of Mathis and, and possibly a little bit more because he offered a little bit more of a pass rush. Um, so I, I think those are two really good players to have as backups. Um, I, I don't necessarily think you want either of them as your starting defensive tackle in a 4-3 base. I, I think you probably, if you're going to play that three-man front with a nose and and, and then Jonathan Allen and Jerome Payne either side, then both of them could play that nose tackle role. Um, and, and both of them could obviously sub in um, for either one of them throughout the game and hold their own. Um, but obviously in, in key sort of th- third down situations, you, you want Payne and Allen on the field. Um, but I, I, I like both players. I, I probably slightly would give the edge to Ridgeway because I think Ridgeway has a little bit more of a pass rushing upside. Um, I think he had... I think you got a bit, a little bit of a bad rep for those couple of really dumb penalties that he got. The kind of, um, you know, the the extra Super point, or was it the field goal thing that he that he touched the center and and he had a, a few of those silly, stupid penalties that that gave him a bad rep in, in key situations. But I think in in general, his play was really good, um, and he was he was excellent against the run against a lot of good uh, rushing offenses um, and. He, as I say, he offered a little bit of a of a pass rush as well. Um, I think Mathis. I think what Ridgeway does is he buys Mathis a little bit more time to come back from that injury. Um, and, and there's no rush to be like Mathis. We need you to be our third defensive tackle. Um, and now, especially now that they've got Deron Payne back as well, it, it's a case of well, Mathis, you can you can basically take your time, get back fully healthy. Ridgeway can hold the fort down, and then and then Mathis gives you a really nice fourth option to rotate in there. So I I, I really like their the defensive tackle depth. Um, neither one of them is kind of at what Matt Ioannidis offered them when when he was playing his best as their third defensive tackle, but um, they offer a different role um, and they free up Allen and Payne to kind of go rush a little bit more and and be a little bit more disruptive um 
in in the run game and, and penetrate rather than trying to hold the point of attack. How do we yeah, think? I, oh yeah, you got to drink with. No, I'm just gonna say I'm, I I like the prospect I have in those two. I mean, again, Maul. Um, I know you love Fideri and Mathis. I you know Big was hoping that. <laughs> I mean, he's. I mean, he was injured last year, obviously, but I mean, I hope he can turn into that. You know, that guy that we thought we were getting in the second round with him. Um, best case scenario with him and Ridgeway, you know, hopefully they can be, I mean, they're, they're probably not the ex- same exact type of players as Ironitis and Settle, but it still gives you that kind of depth that you have back there behind Payne and Allen, knowing that you have those two locked up. I mean, I love the interior depth that those guys can possibly bring in again with Ridgeway ascending last year. You don't have to put so much pressure on Fidarian to come in and maybe that helps him a lot tremendously going into this year. So, you know, you hope to see one of those guys kind of emerge as that guy at the number three, but just have and that depth at the interior defensive line. I mean, especially, it looks like you're going to have these guys locked up for a few years. So it just makes me comfortable going into the season. No, that's one of the position groups right there that we probably don't have to worry about too much. Even if you get an injury there, you're probably still good. Yeah. I think my thing when I was, when I'm trying to figure this out off the top of my head, like, yeah, to 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 answer your question or or to respond to your statement, I did think, and I don't even know. I, I I did like what I saw some in, on some snaps with Phil in, in the past rich game um, at Alabama. Um, some of those were, you know, designed uh, off, off stunts and stuff like that. And some he, you know, he just flat out won. Um, but it's I don't I don't I can't even remember right now what it looked like in preseason. Um, but I don't think it was that good. Uh, but I, but I, I think the, he he still has some upside. Um, I guess we'll figure out when we get there. But to the point of Ridgeway and Mathis, uh, I don't know how the snap count would like they kind of play the same role. And, and Ridgeway was an immediate, like you said, Mark. Like uh, Ridgeway is going to be able to buy some time for Mathis. Um, it's actually interesting though because he because Mathis posted a TikTok maybe or Instagram post or something like that in like November where he was now he wasn't making any football moves but he was like moving back and forth on his on both legs like dancing and stuff like that so um I don't know exactly what that means but uh after you you know tear a ligament and you're right back a few months later being able to move like the way he was moving in that that Instagram video or TikTok whatever um is encouraging uh but yeah i just i don't see i don't see how them being the same two players like i feel like that can ultimately be like a maybe a a political thing in terms of like if 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 uh, mathis is here we're just going to roll with mathis and put ridgeway to the side or if it actually becomes a competition to like who's going to get more snap counts not about like getting cut or anything but i just think that somebody's going to have way more snap counts than the other, even if both are healthy. Like, I, I just think that's how this is going to play out unless they have like football situations where you're like, you need that third and one uh, stop or that third and two stop or that, that goal line stop. And you can put both of them in to make a play. Um, that's kind of how I'm picturing this thing in my head. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think in regards to, you know, Mathis coming back and of course, Ridgeway, it allows, the, the two premier guys, Allen and, and Payne, not to play as many snaps as they did last year. They played a lot of snaps uh, due to the, the lack of depth there at D-tackle. Uh, I don't think that uh, 
Ridgeway and Mathis truly mirrored what Payne and, and Allen bring to the table, but um, you know, that's how they decided to construct this roster. There's also another guy, uh, I want to say his last name is Muhammad, that they brought over from Atlanta. Um, they they signed pretty early into the free agency period. I think that he'll also be another piece that we're we're not accounting for as far as the rotation. That's Abdullah Anderson. Abdullah, Abdullah Anderson. Abdullah? Yeah. Yeah. Abdullah, I don't know. I just knew it was something along <laughs> those lines. <laughs> said, somebody in the Nation of Islam. Huh? I was about to say, it had to be moving. That's all it was. <laughs> I just knew it was something along those lines. But yeah, Abdullah uh, from Especially Atlanta. So, moment, you know, he'll probably be a part of the rotation too. And maybe um, the, the guy KJ Henry, they could probably use him sometimes – D tackle stunts. I don't I don't know. That's a that's a good transition though, AJ. What do we what do we think about KJ in his first year? Um, I don't think we touched on him like that, right? AJ and Dre. Um we can yeah. we can kind I of I mean we touched on him, we touched on him when we recapped the draft, uh, but not really in depth. Okay. What do we think about him as a rookie? Uh Mark, we can start with you, Mark. What do you think about um KJ Henry, what he brings to the table, um, and, and how he can kind of fit in the ro- rotation early on? I I like KJ Henry as a player. I think he's been a little bit overhyped by some fans from from what I've seen on Twitter anyway, um, where some people are saying he's going to be the like challenge for a starting spot and be a really good edge rusher. And I I, I don't think he's there yet. Um, I, I I can see him being kind of an upgrade on the kind of James Smith Williams type, um, where they they're really stout on the edge against the run. They offer a little bit of pass rush, but um, he, he's got a nice first step and, and he's got a surprisingly decent spin move, but he, he needs a lot of other work um, and uh, he can leave his chest exposed at times and, and that can get him caught out. So um, I, I think he's going to be a little bit rough around the edges in, in terms of an edge rusher. I, I, I don't I don't think he's going to offer a huge amount off the edge on sort of third downs and key rushing situations. But I think in terms of a guy that you want to be able to kind of, as I say, James Smith Williams is the kind of prototype, the guy that you want to rotate in on first and second down to spell your, your starting defensive ends and, and be able to hold up against the run and be disciplined in their rush lane. If, it, if it's a play action pass or um, if it's second and long and, and they're passing, then you can use him on a stunt um, with a defensive tackle or, or whatever. Um, I think he can be effective in in that regard, um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be expecting him to pull out a ten sack season coming off the edge and and beating out Chase Young for a, the starting role. Like uh, I think some of the hype on him is a, a little bit too far from just the hype that I've seen anyway. That that might not be a fair representation of the whole fan base, but um, I, I think he's he's still got a little ways to go as a pass rusher. I think I think it was. I think it was a, another Mark, a fellow Mark, <laughs> uh, Mark Tyler of, of Hogs Haven that kind of started that hysteria with uh, KJ Henry could possibly start. And I wish he was in front of me so I could have slapped him for even making that. Hey, bro. <laughs> because there's nothing, there's nothing in KJ Henry's game that says Nothing this, at all, bro. I didn't even know he said that. He will start over Chase Young or Montez Sweat. Um, but hey, I mean, I guess you allowed the you allowed to use your phone how you want to and your your app go for it. But 
Yeah, that's why I try to remind certain guys that you have to be careful of how you utilize your platform because when when they know that you review tape or you you're pretty in depth with a team, some people take those things as gospel without even doing their own research or or you know knowledge at all. And you know that's why you know Mark Bullock that we have on here is so reputable because not only does he say, say the comments that he does, but he provides you video evidence breaking down such. And uh, you know that's why we 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 bring credible people on this show. <laughs> no no knock to the other Mark, but you can't, <laughs> you can't tweet crazy comments like that out there. But when it comes to KJ Henry, I'm not really a fan at all. Um, I felt oh yeah, like, that, yeah, I thought you, yeah, you said he was. A, oh yeah, you got it. I remember what you yeah, said. Yeah, I, I I feel like I didn't see anything out out of him in college, uh, especially playing in the ACC. I didn't see a damn thing that would have intrigued me to say, hey, let's add him to what we have here. Uh, I feel like this team is missing a natural bender at defensive end. So even if it was a guy that would have been possibly a project or whatever. I would have loved to see them have a rotational, possibly situational pass rusher that naturally could just get around the edge. Uh, I think that's why even going into the draft with the prospects of Sweat and Young being free agents next year, I thought that maybe with their first round pick, they could possibly look into a guy like a Nolan Smith out of Georgia who ended up going first round to the Eagles. Because I just feel like, yes, Sweat and, and Young have talent, but they're not natural benders of that that edge. And that's what I really feel like this team is missing as someone that could supplement either Sweat or Young when they're not in on certain downs. Uh, unfortunately, they went and picked KJ Henry. I don't know what his purpose is going to be on the team. Uh, I guess we will, we will see. But for me personally, I'm out on him. I, I don't even care. And I'll, he, I'll, he, can't, he can't even get the training camp yet. You out on him? I'll, I'll stand on that because I just don't. I just don't see what he's going to bring to the table. He he couldn't even really produce in in college. Um, at the end, I'm not going to have any expectations for him in the NFL going against yeah. legit tackle uh, talent. Like I, I just can't see it. So that's a solid solid point, AJ. Um, so, Mark, one of the things that I noticed looking at KJ, um, I agree with the first step. He has he has pretty good, like, his initial quickness at the snap is, is pretty good. Um, and, like, he has, like, this, this subtle quickness about him where he can kind of set the the tackles up, like, for, like, an outside rush and, and, and beat them inside and, and uh, just using, like, straight agility and, and quickness, but hardly any hand usage, like, I saw the spin move, um, and he's had some times where he's won off the initial office of uh, office off of his initial move. But I think the biggest thing to what AJ you just mentioned, um, he actually, I, I think he just struggled to close at the quarterback. Like he was, he was, he was struggling to close at the quarterback pretty often. Um, I think that's why he had. I think he only had three sacks last season, even though he won and created a lot of pressures off of like stunts. Um, you know, they use them all across the defensive line. Um, and, and I like that. Like, his versatility shows itself. Um, he's athletic enough to the point where he can use – I mean, he can be used off of uh, different alignments. Um, and then he's really good with his stunt timing. Like, that's that's what he can bring to the table, in my opinion. Um, like, the twist game, Mark, you mentioned it. Um, like, you don't 
I mean, I don't think he's like a, a good enough pass rusher at all right now to to like play multiple downs um on a like first, second, third. I don't think he's a three down guy right now. Um, I don't think he's a pass rush specialist right now. Um, but I do think he's smart enough and, and has the instincts that he can be used in, in like twist game to help create and generate pressure. Um, he maybe can even use to to free up somebody. Um, that's a little bit better than him, I guess. He can he can probably be used to free up one of those interior guys or maybe even Montez or Chase Young um, off a of twist. But um, that's what I think he can bring to the table. Like he's he's just a smart guy um, and a smart player, and that's probably sixty hey, percent or seventy percent of the reason why they brought him in. Lamar, you can run stunts with anybody. I mean, you can you can try to run stunts with anybody, but that don't mean that they're good at running them. I mean, like, but he's that, not. Time like is a, very important. I mean, you already know my my nickname for him. I call him Stunt Man. So, hey, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So, oh yeah, you know. But that's I mean that's but that's what I'm saying. Like if there's a but to to your point, I get it. Like, but right now I'm talking about in terms of why why he's developing. Um, I think there's going to be a way to use him. I just think it's going to be very limited. Um, and then in the running game too, like he's a smart he's a smart guy. He knows how to set the edge. I just don't think his play strength is up to par right now. <laughs> um, and that's another problem that I ran into. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, I guess we'll see when the season rolls along. Um, okay, I think we're done for the most part. We we kind of understand who Deron and, and John Allen are. I guess I'll leave it. We can leave with, with this one question. Do like is there somebody in particular who we have on this roster who who really needs to take that next step? Um, that has been here for a couple of seasons. So I'm thinking. Uh, you mentioned Abdullah Anderson, AJ, so that's good to put somebody, put him on the radar. Um, I'm not too familiar with him, and I'm not going to look at his tape right now. <laughs> maybe maybe a summer thing, but um, we have FAO Bot on the roster, uh, James Smith-Williams, Mark mentioned Casey Tuhill, uh, Shaka is gone for the season, uh, William Bradley King, um, and, and, and David Bada, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know why I reacted like that. But yeah, who who is one person that really needs to step up because – these are some guys who's been around for a couple years and and has been exclusively role guys, but really don't. I don't really see. I'll just leave it there. Like exclusively role guys, but I feel like somebody has to take the next step to help this defensive line out. Um, I I I don't know. I think those guys all have their kind of roles, and I don't think that's a yeah. bad thing. I, I think when yeah. You want your starters to be the guys that are stepping up. You want Chase Young to be the guy that takes that step forward this year. You want Montez Sweat to take that step forward the way that okay. Duran and Payne and Jonathan Allen have taken that step forward the past few years. Um, so you want those those key starters to take the step forward, but you you want your backups to be role players. And, and I I like that you know Casey Tuhill isn't an amazing player, but he's he has a really good role where he can play off the edge. He can offer a little bit of a pass rush, but. He, He's more effective at, at you know playing the edge and then dropping into coverage and, and allowing them to bring pressure from other spots. Um, yeah. And they don't really have any other guy that they could feel comfortable dropping off the edge and, and having them play even just a flat coverage or a curl or a hook coverage. You know that they, they there's no other edge rusher that they have that they could feel confident in doing that. So Casey too, who has a role there that he he feels well and they don't have anyone else doing and. I, I think James Smith Williams and, and F.A. Obada kind of fill a very similar role in that they both kind of are that hybrid defensive end, defensive tackle. And, and Obada, I think, plays it a little bit better at this point. I think he offers a little bit more of a pass rush. Um, and, and probably James Smith Williams is a little bit more solid and stout against the run because 
Obata is still, well, I say he's still learning the game. He's been in the league for a while, but um, he he's just more of a pass rusher than a than a run stop stopper at this point. Whereas James Smith Williams um, knows knows the game probably a little bit better um, and is, is more stout against the run and then has a better technique against the run. So they they both play a similar role, but they can do it in different ways. Where as I say, Obata's the pass rusher and Smith Williams is the is the run stopper. I think William Bradley King is kind of missed out. He he kind of fills in that similar, that hybrid defensive tackle defensive end kind of way. He'd probably be a three forward uh, defensive end. Um, and, and I think he's maybe someone that if you're looking for someone to, from that backup group to take a step forward, I guess he would be the guy. Um, I think Shaka Tony would have been that guy had he not been suspended. Um, but uh, in general, I, I quite like the depth pieces that they have. Um, because as I say, they, they all have a role that if yeah. you need, you, you need that guy to drop off the edge mm. into coverage. You've got Casey Tuhill. You need that defensive end that can kick inside to rush the pass. So you've got Obata. If you need that defensive end that, you know, your defensive tackles are all injured and you need someone to step in and, and stop the run. You've got James Smith Williams and you've got guys that can fill different roles. So I, I, I don't necessarily see those guys as needing to take a step forward. I, I think the guys that need to take a step forward are, are, are young and sweat. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with Mark. I mean, all of those guys, I mean, you don't expect more than what you get out of them at this point in their careers. I mean, at one point, you probably thought that James Smith Williams may have had a little bit more potential because I look at those James Smith Williams and even the KJ Henry's. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big college football guy and both of those guys were like highly rated recruits. I mean, five star recruits coming out. So you kind of always explore people always had expectations of them to be more than what they were but you know like james smith williams william bradley king like we've seen those guys for a couple of years and we kind of know you know this is pretty much their height you know what what to expect with them within their roles and you know um going back to kj henry you know that's the guy again like the name you know he went to clemson five star people have more expectations of him that's why you may see fans kind of hyping him up a little bit more but his role may be, or his ceiling may be a James Smith Williams. So, I mean, that's probably why they drafted him. And again, I don't know if you should have any more expectations for any of those guys to take more of a leap than what they already already provided. Cause we kind of know what they are. So yeah, I don't have any expectations for anyone. I mean, unless we're talking like the, you know, defensive tackles, then obviously we already touched on Fidaria Mathis. You know, we would love to see him take that step up this year because he was a second round pick and we kind of don't want him to fall into that, you know, cursed second round pick, you know, that a lot of Washington fans bring up because we're pretty bad at that. So you want Fidaria Mathis to kind of take that step up this year, even though that may be a little unfair with him coming off the injury, but you still kind of expect more out of him as a second round pick. Yeah, I mean, I think for for me, uh, I'm just expecting a bit more from Jack Del Rio going into his fourth year. Uh, I think just having these guys playing faster uh, overall, but especially on the defensive line, um, just being a bit more aggressive and hopefully on the other side of the ball, Eric Bieniemy now calling the the offense. Uh, that they can score more points and these guys can be in more pass rush situations. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, because I feel like we know who <clears> – <throat> we know what James Smith-Williams brings to the table. We know what Casey Tuhill brings to the table. Um, we we haven't seen it in the NFL yet with K.J. Henry, but Stuntman is going <laughs> – and, and then there's another guy that 
I guess they're going to use at the end some as well, Andre Jones. Um, he'll be another stuntman. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we pretty much know what these guys are. I just think the utilization by Jack Del Rio will be intriguing. Um, and, you know, I guess I want to see Payne and Sweat not play as many snaps as they had to last year as it, it puts them in position to to be out there to possibly get hurt because they're they're playing tired. I mean, these are not small guys. These are bigger body guys. Uh, so playing those heavy amount of snaps uh, could definitely have a toll on their body. But overall, I think it's so many layers to it. And, and the main pieces that uh, need to be connected are, um, you know, maybe a more aggressive style. That's, that's just my approach. But also the offense putting up more points so that they can be in pass rush situations. Yeah, uh, for me, um, I'm with Dre and Mark. I, I do think it's sweat, and I think it's young. Um, I think one of the the things where we talk about motivating factors for for players, and I'm not diving back into the topic, but like this, it, it kind of factors into like the fifth year option conversation. Like, like you treating people linear across the board. Uh, like how you treat everybody else is one thing, but like if you know your per if you know the person that you're dealing with, like who knows like what this season like mentally means for Chase Young, right? And I can imagine how big it probably is in his head to to understand like I really have to come through this year. Um, so I think it goes without saying that he is the the person. He is one of two people who really needs uh, to take a step up this year, um, and hopefully mentally uh, he's ready to do that. Um, and then obviously performance-wise, we'll see as the, the year plays out. Uh Montez Sweat. Um, same thing, man. Um, it's but neither both of these guys are playing for contracts. I don't think it is like a it's a you or me type of deal. Um, I think there's ways where Washington can have Sweat and Young um on the team beyond 2023, uh under the under contract beyond 2023, uh, whether it's a tag or not. Um, I mean, I guess that's technically a contract. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that those are those are your guys, man. You, you drafted both of them in the first round. You drafted one top two overall. You drafted the other one who you you really wanted to select at 16 the year that Dwayne Haskins was taken. But obviously, as we know, ownership played a role in that. But they still found a way to get their guy at the back end of the draft. Um, so like you kind of know the value that they had to one to the previous regime in Montez Sweat, but then to this current regime and Chase Young um there you you can't allow like you need to invest all op opportunities you can whether it's through aj's uh scheme uh uh issues or from a player standpoint you got to invest all your time into these guys that you can especially chase young who was this regime's number two overall pick um and to see if he can uh shake that mental mental bug but also produce at a high level um whether it's finding ways to get him free rushes to the quarterback or find him easy matchups on the offensive line or get him on a tight end um, where he can just blow past them. Um, find find something that helps him be successful early on and carry that on throughout the season. But it's definitely going to be those two for me, Sweat and uh, Chase uh, Chase Young. And can, can, I, can I pose a quick question? So have, have we truly seen Jack Del Rio grow uh, – as a play caller and just defensively since he's been here. Cause I, I want to say at towards the end of the year, we thought that he wasn't going, going to be retained. 
Um, I mean, I, like when you say grow, you're talking about like the way he calls things, like his because I mean, I've seen I've seen like the coverage structures uh become a little bit well, first of all, more consistent because you got different players who can do multiple things. Um, and then I've seen um even in 2021, like they've had some things that they were trying to do up front, right? Uh, whether it's the the Cinco package or just all like the, the the line stunts that just weren't effective that year. Um, they got better pieces up front um or they 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 found things that they can do or even just the coaching standpoint uh i, I don't i don't forgot the, the new guy that they brought in after they fired uh carolina guy um sam sam mills sam mills the third but like they found things up front to where they can be a little bit more um creative um mark even mentioned the sim pressures uh and in, in those 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 fire zones that they run um and it's like the sim pressures like all those things i don't know like what it looked like in 2020 because I, I i wasn't like deep diving into anything then um but at the same time when you look at last year i thought that they were able to find ways to pressure the quarterback um and then i thought that their their, their coverage on the back end was a little bit more consistent because of who they found can do certain things for that that secondary and that's a big reason why the three three safety rotation was a a big conversation when you had Derek Forrest, who emerged, um, and then you had uh, Bryce uh, McCain, Bobby McCain, um, who can move around in the slot or play free. Um, and then you had Cam Curl, who I think they're trying to maybe expand his role a little bit, but not, I guess we'll see. Yeah, can can I jump in on the Del Rio point? I, um, I, I think for me, I've never been a huge fan of Jack Del Rio. I, I feel like there would have there are better defensive coordinators out there and I think if you look at the totality of the defense from when they took over how frequently they've given up big plays um and explosive plays for me that would have seen him fired certainly this year if not the year before but I think in terms of the overall scheme and stuff like I, I think for me what was impressive was when when they lost Chase Young and, and Montez Sweat, how he adjusted the defense and the the kind of sim pressures that I talked about, and like using Casey Tuhill in that role where he was on he was the edge rusher, but they would drop him into coverage and they would bring, you know, Jamin Davis or Cole Holcomb up the middle, or they would bring uh, Cam Curl off the from the secondary, or they'd bring the slot corner or or whatever. They they'd bring other pressures, um, and they would mix and match the different roles that they had. I think that was a real, that, that spoke to how well Del, Del Rio adjusted without his top players. Um, because in your ideal situation, when you have your best players available to you, you play simple schemes and you let your best players be better than their, the opposition's players. Um, and when, when you don't have the talent, when Chase Young or Montez Sweat isn't available, that's when you need to, scheme up stuff and and that's when del rio did scheme up more stuff and and we saw some some good stuff with the sim pressures and and as mole mentioned the the fire zones and and that kind of thing i I think where i take issue with him is there are still situational calls that i don't i don't love from del rio i think um there was i can't remember which game it was last year but there was a game where i looked at the third down situations and it was like on third and two he had corners playing 10 yards off and giving up a quick speed that was a Um, that was a big deal and yeah and then there was you know there was a third 19 play where he was sending the house when 
and that they gave up a big yard after catch slant that picked up the first down. It's like you want to do the opposite in those situations. So I think there are situational calls where I, I disagreed with Del Rio and over the totality of his tenure in Washington, I, I've, I've not been a fan of him, but I think in terms of growth, um, as I mentioned, when, when he's lost players, I think he's found ways to scheme up things to help the rest of the, the defense continue. Um, and I think the, the stuff in the secondary is, is where I would criticize him most. And, and obviously the coverage structure got, got better, as, as you mentioned, once, once they lost William Jackson, who, who clearly couldn't pick up the system yes. um, and, and they, they got all the guys on the same page and then they started doing the match coverages the way they're meant to be run. Then we saw the defense start to be a lot better. And then they ended the year as one of the better defenses in the league. And, and that's quite a step forward from the way they started last year. I don't know if we've all kind of forgotten the way they started last year, that the first like three or four games, they were giving up just as much explosive plays as they had done the previous few years. So, um, so credit to him for being able to fix some of that stuff, but, but yeah, overall, I, I'm still not a huge fan of him, but I, I think there is a case for it to be made that there has been some growth and he has shown ways to scheme around when he's lost certain players. Hey, can I ask another question? Of course, we've been focusing on DNs, but I just thought of it while you were talking, Mark. Are we are we thinking that the selection of Emmanuel Forbes at cornerback and him being a ball hawk, are we thinking they're hoping that that helps them create more turnovers more so than the scheme? Like his um, own visual instincts helping them create more turnovers rather than putting guys in the best position to make plays? I, I think his instincts fit what they want to do defensively in terms of they, they – Kendall Fuller is kind of a similar corner to what they're looking for in that they want their corners to play eight to ten yards off the line of scrimmage. They want them to be able to read multiple receivers, um, see the breaks of the different receivers, and then – drive down on anything underneath and try to jump stuff. And and Fuller wasn't as good as Forbes was in getting his hands on the ball, but Fuller was very good at reading routes, um, reading multiple releases and matching his coverage to the route. And Forbes is going to be very similar, but Forbes is a little bit more instinctive, and a little bit more aggressive in hunting down the ball. So I think what they see in Forbes is he's a guy that will fit in their system straight away. And whereas Fuller would be, taking away routes by anticipating them and, and reading them a little bit more. Forbes is going to take a little bit more of a risk, willing to give up the catch maybe, but to try to jump the route and undercut it and, and pull away the, the interception. So um, I think that's why they drafted Forbes. And it's not it's not a case of the, the scheme's not going to play any factor. It's just Forbes is a ball hawk. I think it's there. he's going to be allowed to continue to be a ball hawk because he's going to play in a system that will suit that type of his instincts and his type of skill set. Mark, man, appreciate you sticking it, sticking, sticking up, uh, sticking around with this for the defensive line preview. I want to give you the floor, the opportunity to let the people know where they can, if I miss anything, let, let they know where they can find you, hear from you, all that good stuff. Uh, well, I think you covered it, but as a reminder, uh, my, my Substack is markbullock.substack.com um, and you can subscribe to there and, and get my breakdowns on stuff. Um, and on Twitter, I'm at Mark Bullock NFL. 
Sounds good, man. Fellas, it's time for some food. Boy, I need I need something to, to help me with this liquor. But uh, Mark, I'll, I'll tap in with you, man. Uh, we can get you on for another show down the line. But fellas, y'all take it easy. Be safe, everybody. Enjoy y'all week. All that good stuff. We'll be back later. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is trap or die